Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. James 4, we're going to talk today as we continue in our series about how to receive more of God's grace, a significant part of the four things we're touching on that relates to what Scripture reveals to us here about how we can get more of heaven's help. How many want more of God's help? In every realm of our life, we can receive the help of God. I want to remind you that help is not natural. That help is supernatural. Our God is a supernatural God. And I'm so grateful to know that he extends to us more help in our life as a believer once we're born again. We clearly understand from the scriptures what grace is defined as. It is God's help. You and I could not save ourselves. We were saved by grace through our faith in Jesus. Well, guess what? Once you get born again, there's more available. There's more of what God can do in and through your life available. All we have to do is simply open ourselves up to receive it. Amen? James chapter 4, as we've been looking at these foundation verses here, James 4 verse 6, but he, speaking of God, gives what now? Everybody tell me out loud. So notice he has more of heaven's help, more of what only he can supply, more of what he can only provide for your life available. So he gives more grace, therefore he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So who is he not able to give this help to? The proud. Who is it that gets this additional help from God? The humble. And again, from a biblical perspective, that's a whole lot different when you look at what the Bible teaches about what godly humility is, as opposed to what most people think of humility. Most people think of humility in some aspect, really, ultimately about devaluing themselves, but not at all. But we realize, too, we don't want to do our own thing. We want to walk in what God has available to us, and that takes humility. So in verse 7 and in verse 8, he gives you four keys here in these two verses of how to walk in Bible humility. So then he teaches us how to receive this grace through Bible humility. Verse 7, therefore do what? Submit to God. God. And in doing so, guys, you are resisting the devil. He will flee from you. We finished that on Wednesday night. I actually didn't even plan on talking about that. Wednesday night was powerful, man. You guys were so into worship and praise and brought God's presence into the place. And what a blessed time in God's house we had Wednesday night. So we submit to God. We automatically resist the devil. And he will do what? He will flee from us. So we've talked about that in detail. Submission to God is really doing what? Agreeing with God. It's accepting who God says you are, what God says you have, what God says you can do. Not in any way trying to reason that out or disagree with it, but just acknowledging it. Verse 8, we're going to get into the second part of what he talks about here. Number 2, what we got to do? Draw near to God and he will what? So I'm going to explain that a little more in detail with you guys today about what that really means. Again, I taught this at Good Guys here a couple weeks ago, just barely scratching the surface, kind of gave them an outline, but we're going to discuss that one today. So the second thing we need to do to walk in Bible humility is to draw near to God. Isn't it pretty obvious? If I want help from God, don't I need to draw near to Him? Absolutely. If I do, what does He do? Draws near to me. I call this the James 4 principle. 
God's waiting on us. When we take the time to reach out to God, when we take the time to call out to God, when we take the time to do the things to draw near to God, what does he do? He responds. And he responds by coming what? Coming near to us. The next one, number three, we're going to talk about this tonight, maybe in a whole new light than you've ever seen it before. But the third thing he says you got to do is cleanse your hands, you sinners. And the fourth thing, you got to purify your hearts from being double-minded. If you're double-minded, that'll hinder your ability to receive from God. Notice the statement, cleanse your hands from sin. I thought God cleanses us from sin. He does. You, if you could cleanse yourself from sin, you didn't need heaven's help. So we're going to explain that one tonight, talk a little bit more about that one tonight. But we're going to touch on the second one today, this morning, about drawing near to God. Say, draw near to God. So I want to explain something while you're turning to Psalm 16. Go to Psalm 16, and I'm going to show you how drawing near to God gives you the ability to get more of heaven's help. Let's say we have a very crowded room here today, and because this room is so crowded, everybody would be standing, for example. If everybody was standing, I might not know who's in the back of the room. I might not be able to recognize who's in the back of the room. Come up here, Claire. Since she likes me to use illustrations, I'll use her. So, so if I ask Claire to come here, what's Claire doing? Well, she's drawing near to me, all right? So in essence, she would be doing what the Bible says about drawing near to me. But I want you to go back there and stand right back there next to that last row of chairs back there. And then turn around and face this way. All right? Right there. Good enough. So if everybody was standing, let's say the room's filled with people, everybody's standing. Guess who I'm not aware of that's in the room right now? Claire. Why? I haven't drawn near to her. I want you to see the significance of what this means about drawing near to God. Because a lot of people don't really understand the power of this, and therefore they don't really get the help that God offers. God's a spirit. He's not a physical being in the sense. Now, Claire's not a physical being. Claire's a spirit, but she's in a body. So God is not obviously in a body. He is, Jesus is, but he's in a glorified body, which we're going to get in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. But, but God is a spirit. He's telling us the drawing near to God here is drawing near to him, the Father. You can do that through Jesus. You can do that through the Holy Spirit. But it's all because he's a spirit. So as it relates to God, this will truly uh, exemplify what I want to explain to you today. If I want to be aware, say aware. Here's the key. Here's the key about drawing near to God. You're not drawing near to God if you're not aware of his presence. You can come to church and not be aware of his presence. How many aware of his presence Wednesday night? You, you, can, you can literally open your Bible, read the scriptures, and not be aware that God's present. You can pray to God. You can mouth words to God and not be aware. See, that's not drawing near to God. See, drawing near to God, so if this room was full of people standing up, and I'm signaling out Claire, and I'm drawing near to Claire, the closer I get to know, the closer I get to Claire, guess what I'm finding out? I'm becoming aware that she's here. If I would have stayed back there with everybody in the way, I wouldn't have been aware she's here. But if I take the time to single out Claire from the crowd and I then go looking for her in the midst of that crowd and I see her and I start drawing near to her, guess what I become aware of? I become aware of her presence. Can I get an amen? amen. Give her a good hand. Praise the Lord. Listen, you're not drawing near to God if you're not aware of his presence. If you don't sense his presence, right. if you don't know of his presence, he's a person. Yes, he is. 
He's not a it. He's not a thing. He's not some book in the context of your hands. Yes, the Word is God. God became flesh. That's Him speaking to us, but that's not God. Me carrying a physical book around is not God. He's a, he's a person. He's a spirit being. And by the Holy Spirit who dwells in you, you can become aware of His presence. If I, therefore, am saying I'm drawing near to God, but I'm not aware of His presence, guess what I'm not getting? Help. But guess what you get every time you get in the presence of God? I said, guess what you get every time you get in the presence of God? Are you in Psalm 16? I want you to see this. Psalm 16, I want you to read this with me, verse 11. Psalm 16, verse 11. For you, talking about our God, you will do what? Show me the path of life. Question, if God has shown you the path of life, what is he showing you? He's showing you a path that takes you away from death. He's not showing you the path of death. Guess what the devil's trying to lead you down? A path of death. You know, so amazing how people still struggle with really seeing God for who he is. Jesus defined the definition of what truly is God and what's not God in John 10.10. Because Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus even said, I didn't come to do my will. I came to do the will of the Father. Everything you see Jesus doing is the Father being exemplified to me and you. Right? And what did he say about why he came in John 10, 10? He says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come. So relate that to God. The Father has come. The Holy Spirit has come to do what? To give you life and to give you that more abundantly. Well, wouldn't that be heaven's help? Life is the, the, the pathway God has for you, which is Zoe, the God kind of life. Well, how am I going to get into that kind of life? How am I going to get into that pathway of life? You're going to need some help from God, and he's willing to show you that path. I said he's willing to show you that path. But you know why a lot of Christians aren't on that path? They're not aware of his presence. They're not aware of God himself in relationship to their daily life, of how God can lead them, not only through the scriptures, but even through their own personal choices, of how he can lead them down that pathway of life. That's help. Uh, That's help. The only reason I would not be walking in the path of life is because I'm not choosing to draw near to God. Now, I'm going to keep saying it all through this morning's message. You're not drawing near to God if you're not aware of his presence. You listening? There's a lot of people go to church today. I mean, they're not as many as there should be today's times. But there's a lot of people who will go to church today. You know what they're not doing? Really, they're not drawing near to God. I know there's people come to my church that don't draw near to God. Why? They're never aware of his presence. This is just kind of a religious exercise. That they go through, well, you know, we go to church because we're Christians. You know, we go hear our pastor because that we're supposed to do, hear him preach, etc. And then we go about living our life and just think because we showed up on Sunday, somehow God's going to bless us Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday because we gave God our due diligence to be there on Sunday morning. That's not about relationship and that's not how this is to work. This isn't about us doing something to appease God. We're not doing anything to appease God to try to get him to help us. But you know how many people in the world even live this way that are believers, that are Christians, that they think maybe if I do certain things right or if I'm a certain aspect of what I do, certain kind of person for a period of time that I'm nice and I quit being mean and all that, God's going to bless me for it. No, God's already blessed you. So you're trying to appease God. You're trying to get something from God that God's already given you. But you just simply got to learn to be humble to receive it. So humility means, number two, got to do what? Draw near to God, which if I'm drawn near to God, what am I doing? I'm aware. I'm aware of God's presence. So again, you will show me the path of life. How many want him to do that? 
Notice this. In your presence is what? Fullness. No, no, no. In your presence is what? Fullness, Fullness of what? Joy. One of the ways you know you're in the presence of God is guess what? There's no depression there. There's no fear there. There's no distress there. And that's a problem. See, a lot of people aren't getting God's help to deal with these things by just getting in His presence. There's so many verses on this. I don't have time and wouldn't have time to go through them all in this series because I'm not really directed by God to just focus on each one and study it for months at a time. But the Bible even says there's times of refreshing. Isaiah says, in the presence of the Lord. So what else happens when we're aware of His presence? You get refreshed. And that getting help from heaven? Absolutely, man. I like what our pastor says, you know, which I'll address in a minute. And relating to the presence of God and getting an experience of the presence of God, you truly are getting washed. You truly are getting touched. You truly are getting strengthened. Amen? In your presence, God, is what again? A little bit. A little dab will do you. This ain't like Brill Cream. That'll date you. This ain't like Brill Cream. Although you don't have to be 100 to remember that. This ain't like Brill Cream. You just got to be 20. Whoever told me I was 20. This isn't a little dabble, do you? A little bit of God's presence will not do you to get the help you need the day you're in. You listen? You need a lot of God's presence in your life. So again, he said, in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. This is all just talking about getting in the presence of God. If I'm getting in the presence of God, what am I receiving? Aware of His presence. Direction for my life. Leading me in the path of life. In His presence, when I'm aware of His presence, I mean, there's so many times when we're here praying on Monday nights, which everybody ought to try to get here they can. When we're praying on Monday nights and I start becoming aware of God's presence, He starts talking to me as we're praying about other things. I mean, oh, God can multitask. God has no problem chewing gum walking at the same time. I know some of us do. God don't have no problem with that. Do you realize God today, in relationship to all that are in church today, literally has the ability to visit all those churches by His Spirit at the same time? Because His Spirit is everywhere at once? It's pretty amazing God. I said pretty amazing God. So God doesn't have a problem with multitasking. When we get to praying, and I get caught up in the presence of God praying in the Spirit here on Monday nights, there's a lot of times God begins to speak to me. You know what He's doing? He's showing me the path to life. He's showing me what I need to be doing as a pastor, what I need to be doing in my life, things I need to be teaching you, things I need to be dealing with, etc. That doesn't just happen when I'm here Monday night. I pray at other times during the week. I'm just telling you that this is how you get God's help. Anybody want God's help? Is there anybody here who doesn't want God's help? Nobody here doesn't want God's help. Y'all want God's help? Number two, what do you got to do? Draw near to him. Meaning what? I got to be aware of his presence. If I am, he's going to show me the path of life. I'm going to experience what? Fullness of joy. Not a little. Fullness of joy. And guess what else? Because I am there in his presence relating to what is referring to the fact that we would be at his right hand, that place of authority. Guess what? There's pleasures. It's go to Nehemiah. Go forward to the book of Nehemiah, chapter 8. It's not depressing to get in the presence of God. It's pleasurable to get in the presence of God. There are what? Pleasures for what? Evermore. Say it, forevermore. Nehemiah, I want you to see this. So say this with me. If I get in God's presence, I will have fullness of joy. Let me say it a different way. Say it this way. If I become aware of God's presence... I will have fullness of joy. 
So back up to Nehemiah from, from the Psalms there. Back up to Nehemiah. Go to chapter 8. From Psalm 16, just back up to hit Nehemiah. Go to chapter 8. So what is it about this fullness of joy? How about the fact that if I am in the presence of God, there's fullness of joy. Let me help you. The Bible talks about this in relationship to all kinds of stuff with God. The Bible says a cheerful heart doeth good like a medicine. The reason a lot of people are having physical health issues is because you don't have a cheerful heart. You're, you're allowing frustration and fear and stress and worry and all this thing. Well, I just wish God would do something about all that and I'd, I'd see that change in my life. He already did. All you got to do is draw near to him. You draw near to him, what will you be full of? What will you be full of? Joy. In Nehemiah chapter 8, literally we have God speaking here to the people of Nehemiah's day in verse 10. And he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Underline it. Do not sorrow. Do not what? Sorrow. Don't allow sorrow in your life for the joy of the Lord is what? Tell me out loud. Shout it at me. It's your strength. Now whose joy is it? It's the Lord's. So if it's the joy of the Lord, you're not manufacturing it. You're not trying to come up with it. Don't misunderstand me. I understand there might be times, I know Brother Hagin did, that you got to kind of put joy on in the natural in a sense to get in a position to start really getting caught up in the presence of God about things that the enemy attacks you with. It's better than being depressed for sure. But this isn't you putting something on. This is God's joy. In his presence there is fullness of joy. Why is that? Because the joy is coming from him. The joy is him. You listening? And therefore, the joy of the Lord is what? It's a great strength to your life. I will guarantee you, it will cause you to have a cheerful heart, which is medicine to your body. That sounds like heaven's help to me. I said, sounds like heaven's help to me. Some of you need to remind yourself as you go about life, when all of a sudden you get frustrated with people and upset and mad about stuff, you need to, you need to quote that verse. A cheerful heart does good like a medicine. I have a cheerful heart, Lord. I'm going to be rejoicing in Jesus' name. The rejoicing may be something you have to do to get back in the presence of God. So yeah, you might have to start rejoicing in the Lord even though you don't feel like it to do what? Draw near to God. Get caught up with God. Get caught up close to God. And if you do that, guess what will happen? You'll know and become aware of His presence if you do it right. And in doing so, guess what you'll experience? Joy. Joy. So say it. The joy of the Lord is a strength from heaven. It's heaven's help. It's a strength that comes to help you. If you become aware of God's presence, you will not do so and get depressed. You will not do so and be fearful. You will not do so and be distressed or frustrated. If you're doing all those things in life, I'm going to tell you one of the reasons why. You're not humbling yourself. Meaning what? You're not drawn near to God. You're not drawn near to God. If I'm drawn near to God, what am I? I'm aware of His presence. I'm aware of his presence. Go to Psalm 145. <clears throat> Back over to the Psalms. Psalm 145. So realize this, as we just talked about in relationship to rejoicing, I won't have again time to go through every single verse. All you got to know is recognize the things that help you to become aware of God's presence and do them. Recognize the things that help you to become aware of God's presence and do them. Do them right in the way the Bible teaches. When you come, example for, for relationship to church, when you come to church and we have praise and worship time, you could sing the songs but still not be aware of God's presence. But the Bible says God inhabits 
the praise of his people. Why is that not working for everybody singing? Why is that not working for everybody singing? Why would they not be aware of his presence? They're not doing it right. You can read your Bible and not do it right. You can go to church and not do it right. You can sing and not do it right. If all you're doing is singing a song, thinking about what you're going to do for lunch today, thinking about how soon we're going to get out of church, thinking about what else went on in your week, instead of thinking about the one you're supposed to be singing to. Right. See, the problem with most, pe- most people of praise and worship, they're not aware of his presence during that time because guess what? They're really not singing to him. You listening? You know what they're doing? They're singing about him. In this church you do. We do songs that sing about him. We're not singing about relationship, the world and all the sorrows and all the problems. We might, some of those songs might mention them, but then it turns you right around and gets you focused on God and say, guess what? He's the one that delivers you. He's the one that brought you out. He's the one that gives you victory. Amen. Worship's all about God. Yes. Right? Yes. Uh, what's worship biblically? Come on, we just taught you this. <laughs> to adore him. To magnify him. To love him to the highest degree. So singing a song isn't worship. It's just an expression of all of that. It's just the way we express that. In relationship to praise and worship, if you really adore God, guess what you do? You tune everything else out. You're not sitting there saying, yeah, but I don't really know the song. Are you kidding me? I'm going to tell you what I love about Kylie. Kylie comes up here when she's up here. Most of the time she's singing off the off key, not off key necessarily, but off timing. With the song. But I get more blessed hearing her sing than everybody else singing along with the song. You know why? Because that's coming from her heart. She's not doing it because she has to. She's not doing it because she wants to prove anything to anybody else. No way, man. I'll guarantee you all you got to do is listen to her singing. You know, this is coming from her heart. She's singing to her God. Can I get a better amen? amen? I love something Brother Hagin said one time. He said, I used to go to this church. And this pastor and his wife, of course, you know, had me next to him on the front row before I'd come up to preach. And during the praise and worship time, usually based on the way the seating was, you know, the pastor had his place and his wife was there. And I was here next to them and I was next to her. And, of course, had my armor bearer and there was some other people from his church. And all during praise and worship, there was no denying this, the, the fact this woman could not sing. His wife. Could not, could not carry a tune, could not sing in any way, shape, or form anywhere near the key that was being sung in the relationship to the worship. But I guarantee you what, she wasn't ashamed. She was lifting her voice. She didn't care what everybody else thought. And as she was standing, as as he was standing there, he said, for the first few minutes, I thought, this is annoying, Lord. This is making it difficult for me to sing. And the Lord spoke up to him and said, the only reason is because you're singing about me. She's singing to me. If you stopped singing about me and started singing to me, you wouldn't get caught. You wouldn't, you wouldn't even hear her. Why? You'd be caught up with me. And he said, Lord, I repent. Please forgive me. Then he said, I just wanted to hear and really pick up on that. And he said, the more I listen to it, the more it blessed me because I realize that's exactly what she's doing. She is not singing about her God. She's singing to her God. Most Christians are singing about their God. This church Wednesday night did not sing about their God. This church sang to their God. You can tell the difference. If you don't think I don't notice the difference, I do. I do. And I'm telling you, the biggest problem with a lot of people in relationship to praise and worship, it's like, man, you got to get somebody like Matt or, or somebody up here as a cheerleader, you know, you know, sis, boom, rah, bah, bah, whatever, you know, come on, let's praise the Lord. I mean, we shouldn't even have to do that. 
You should want to enter in the moment the worship starts because it's about who you're singing to, not singing about him. So think about it in relationship to wanting to know God. Well, a lot of Christians know about God. They just don't really know him. Same thing with worship. A lot of Christians, they sing about God, but they don't really what? Sing to him. How many want his help? So if you haven't figured it out yet, first key to draw near to God, one of the ways to draw near to God, sing to him. Praise him. And you don't have to wait till you're in church. You ought to be doing it all the time. The Bible says you and I can truly, in the book of of Ephesians, says you and I can receive strength and help from God by singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, making melody unto the Lord from our hearts. Because we're not singing about him, we're singing to him. You'd have to do in some ways for some people to try to help them out. You'd have to get them to see it just as if Jesus was standing up here. And he's looking out upon us, and we're or like in essence a picture of being in the throne room. And there's our God and there's our Jesus and you're right there with all the hosts of the heavenly angels and all those that are in heaven and, what, and, and they're offering worship to God. Guess what you're singing? Uh, guess what you're singing elevates to? Uh, it's singing to him, not about him. Because now you see him. But realize you and I can clearly experience God's presence by doing what? Singing to him, not about him. When you begin to truly elevate your praise to singing to God. So that takes some work on your part. It don't just happen. Guess what your mind wants to do? Drift off to other things. Guess what your flesh wants to do? Get caught up with the gal singing next to you or the guy that may be not singing real well. You listening? Or, quote, unquote, again, thinking about other stuff. Or, I don't really like this song. Okay, well, we're not singing it to you. We're singing it to God. And if it's about our God, it may not be one of your favorites, but guess what? You can still sing it and experience God's presence. Can I get a better amen? Amen. So realize that worship and praise when sung to God can help you experience God's presence. How do we become, quote unquote, aware of God's presence and drawing near to him? One of the ways is through uh, true Bible praise. Look at this, Psalm 145 verse 1. I will extol, praise, praise. I will praise you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever. I will praise you. So in other words, I'm not singing about you, my God. I am praising you. I'm singing to you. I will praise you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you. Notice the focus. I will bless you. I will again do what? Praise your name forever and ever. Greatly is the Lord and greatly to be praised And his greatness is what? Unsearchable. So there's point number one of a way you draw near to God. How? You sing to him, not about him. You don't sing praises about him. You sing praises to him. The focus is him. The focus is him. And whatever that is for you that you have to do to take the time to get your focus on God during times of praise and worship, you need to do. How many have ever been alone? Nothing around to bother you. Have some favorite praise or worship music that you put on in your car and in your home or whatever. Get caught up in that. You start singing to God and all of a sudden, guess what? Everything else seems to go by the wayside. And now you start getting caught up with simply doing what? Praising and singing honor and worship to to what? To God, not about him. And as you do that, how many know all of a sudden the things change around you? Atmosphere changes around you. 
All of a sudden, your countenance changes you. Why? It changes in your life. Why? Because you're getting into the presence of the Lord. What's in the presence of the Lord? Fullness of joy. Times are refreshing. Say heaven's help. So verses 1 through 3 and exemplifies the fact that if we will sing praises to God, we can truly draw near to Him and He will do what? We'll be aware of His presence. See, when, that's, when that phrase in James 4, 7 says, draw near to God and He will what? So if we're drawing near to God biblically, what does it mean He'll draw near to us? We'll know He's there. We'll be aware of His presence. Can I get a better amen? If you're not aware of His presence, if you're not aware of His presence, you're not drawn near to God. Verse 4, he talks, goes on to talk about this a little more. And notice, one generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare what? Your mighty acts. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. Men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts and I will declare your greatness. They shall utter the memory of your great goodness and, you shall, and, and shall sing of what? Of your righteousness. Can I get an amen on that? So what, what do we need to do? We need to be singing and praising to God. And if we're doing that, doing it right, what will we become aware of? We'll become aware of our God. And if you're doing that, what are you doing? You're humbling yourself. You're, you're drawing near and you're going to get help. I said, you're going to get help. We're going to look at the second thing that will help us. I'm going to just give you keys today of how do we draw near to God, in essence, become aware of His presence. Praise and worship to Him. Making sure it's about Him. A little further down in the same chapter, notice this. Down in the same chapter, verse 16. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. God desires to satisfy the desire of every living thing. 17. The Lord is righteous in what? All His ways. He's gracious in what? What's gracious? He's willing to help. In all of his works, he's willing to help. You're in Psalm 145, 17, right? The Lord is righteous in all his ways, gracious in all his works. Listen, 18, the Lord is near. Now, the phrase here, the Lord being near again, would mean you're aware of him there. It's like me again, going back and drawing near to, to, to Claire. I would then be aware that she's there. So clearly, when we talk about the Lord being near, what are we talking about? What are we talking about? Being aware of his presence. I'll wait till the rest of you catch up after lunchtime. I'll still be here preaching to you. What are we talking about when we talk about the Lord being near? Draw near to God. He will draw near to you. What are we talking about? I'm aware of his presence. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, gracious in all his works. 18, he's near. What is he? What does that mean? They're aware of his presence. They're aware of his presence. Who's aware of his presence? All who call upon him. All who call upon what? Him. To all who call upon him in what? Truth. Meaning what? You do it according to what the Bible teaches. Notice 19. He will fulfill therefore what? The desire of those who fear him, who reverence him, honor him. He will also hear what? What will he hear? He'll hear their cry and he'll do what? Sounds like heaven's help to me. Sounds like heaven's help to me. These are people who are aware of his presence. These are people who the Lord is near to. They're aware of his presence. 20, the Lord preserves all who what? Love him, him, but all the wicked he will do what? 
destroy. 21, my mouth therefore shall speak the praise of the Lord and all flesh shall bless his holy name forever and ever. Go back to verse 17. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, gracious in all his works. Meaning everything that God wants to work in your life, he wants to help you with. Did you get that? Let me slow down a little bit. Gracious in all his works. Gracious. Where the word grace comes from, relating to that very thing, he's saying, I will help you in all of my works. All that I have to work in your life, I want to help you with. I want to help you. I'm gracious in what? All my works. 18, so who does this, who does this work for? He's near to all do, all who, all do what? The only way we're going to be aware of God's presence as well is not just praising God, but what? What does calling upon him here mean? Read, read the rest of the verses there. He says, he's near to all who call upon him, who all, call, who all call upon him on truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. Listen, also, he will hear their cry. Call upon him. All who call upon him, hear their cry. What's he referring to, church? What's he referring to? Number two, prayer. Prayer. Crying out to God, hearing their cry, calling upon God. This is prayer. This is communicating with God. This isn't praise. This is prayer. This is communication with God. So number two, what are we talking about today? Let's not lose focus here. Talking about drawing near to God, how we can get more of heaven's help. Number two, to be humble, we got to draw near to God. If we draw near to God, how, how do we know we're doing it right? We're aware of his presence. He's drawn near to us, meaning we're aware that he's there. Amen. Right? By the way, he's not standing far off from you. He lives in you. His spirit lives in you. You're just aware that it, that presence is there. But when you don't do these things, isn't it amazing that he's right there within you? You don't even realize it. And therefore, we miss out on the help of heaven, the joy of the Lord, the refreshing of his presence, the leading down the right pathway. I mean, this one thing we could talk about for weeks and months. But understand this, I draw near when I do what? When I praise him, not praise about him. Right? When I sing to him, not sing about him. Number two, I also draw near when I do what? Listen, listen. When I pray to God, meaning what? When I have intimate communication with God. So the crying out here to God is talking about talking to God. It's talking about communicating him. But notice what it said, you got to do that what? You got to do that in truth. Because you know how many people spend time in prayer, they're never aware of God's presence. They're simply throwing up to God what they obviously have a need of, or hoping somehow maybe God will hear them, hoping somehow maybe God will uh, 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 help them with that, somehow God can turn that around. Most people's prayers as Christians, they're never aware of God's presence. They never are. They do all the talking. They do all the talking, and all they're doing is just simply mouthing words to God, trying to hopefully get God to respond. But let me help you. That's not drawn near to God. That's not drawn near to God. If I want to have a conversation with my wife, let's say pre-cell phone days, right? Pre-telephone days, period. If I want to have a conversation with her, I might have to go find where she is and draw near to her to talk to her. Right? Now, thank God, we don't need a cell phone to talk to God. We can do it from our spirit man. But understand the power of what he's talking about here. To cry out to God means he's the focus. I'm taking time to literally have a time of prayer to fellowship with my Father. And prayer is not me going to God and talking to God about all that I have need of. 
Prayer is me going to God. I can do that. I can bring to God my petitions. How many know that? But if all I do is, if I bring my petitions, drop them off, and say, okay, God, here's everything I have needed, da 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 da, da thank you, and walk off, there is no quote-unquote time of understanding that God got near to me, that I experienced his presence, and I got help with any of that. Right? What am I there to do? Learn from him. Get help from him. Sometimes you may be taking time in prayer to talk to God about something you're dealing with. And if you really take time to get quiet and talk to God about it, guess what? He'll start giving you answers. He'll start showing you things you need to know. But prayer is not just us throwing stuff up at God and taking off and doing what we want to do. Prayer is talking to God about these things. You know, maybe you didn't. I I mean, some sadly, I understand in the natural, some may not have had this with their parents, but some may have. If you had a really good parent, man, how many glad you could go to your parent when you had need of answers for life? Different things you weren't sure about. Things you could go talk to them about. Think of a mentor, somebody that you really thought, you know, highly of, that was somebody really there to help you, to be there for you, to help give you answers. Let me help you. The best mentor, best parent you got is God. It's God. But if I want to get that help from a parent or a mentor, guess what I got to do? I got to take the time that I don't just go to the parent and say, now, dad, mom, da 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 take care of it and walk off. No, 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 no. I'm there to talk and explain what's going on, but I'm also there to do what? Listen. I'm there to listen. Yeah. See, how are you taking time to listen? How many are you taking the time to listen? You're not really praying to God and talking to God if it's all about just throw some stuff out at God real quick and run off and do my thing. Listen, you're not going to get hardly any help that way. Because most of the help God wants to give you is to help you understand what caused some of those problems. Right? You may not have caused them. It could have just been stuff happening without a doubt, stuff around you. But you know what? There are things we do to cause problems in our life. And we're throwing it up to God and say, do something about it. God said, I'd like to, but you're the one causing the problem. And if you don't take time to listen to me and hear what I have to say so I can help you change that, guess what you're going to do? You're going to keep having the problem. And then you wonder why you keep asking about the same thing over and over and over again and nothing changes. Because you don't take time to listen. How does God speak to you? Through your spirit. He relates things to your spirit, man. So I would encourage you, church, to learn to take a time to develop a lifestyle of prayer. A lifestyle of prayer. One of the ways you can learn to pray, you come here on Monday nights, don't come here to sit and observe. Come here to learn how to pray. Come here to learn how to get caught up in that time of prayer. You get focused on God. We dedicate that whole hour to God. We're not here to talk about your problems. You listening? You, you could be releasing those to God in prayer. But we're here to do what? We're here to talk to God. We're here to hear from God. We're in that case, in that time frame, we're here to intercede for others that we get prayer requests from. But we're also here to do what? Build ourselves up spiritually. And one of the greatest ways you can learn to tune into God's channel, praying in the Holy Spirit. Because now you're connected with the Holy Spirit. Who's giving you the words? The Holy Spirit. Who's praying those words? Your spirit. These are the two things that have to communicate with each other to hear from God. And when I'm praying the Spirit, I'm, a connect, I'm already connected with the Holy Spirit. And therefore, I'm also connected with my spirit. So the two things that got to get together are already working together. Can I get a better amen? amen? You need a developed life of prayer. I understand a lot of people say, I just don't know how to pray. Let me help you. If you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, it ain't hard. It's learning to shut your mind down, quiet your mind to keep you from doing it, and just say, you know what? The Bible's clear. If I pray in the Spirit, I pray to God. Divine mysteries that He can even reveal to me. Things that He can show me about. Right? Not only that, I'm building up my spirit, man. I'm becoming stronger spiritually. 
Now, that's not the only way you should pray. As Paul said, I'm going to pray with my understanding and I'm going to pray with the Spirit. But when you take time to come to talk to God, how many want more of heaven's help? You got something you're dealing with, guess what? You need to dedicate some time to hear from God on that. You need to bring it to him. He said, you got to come and petition me, cry out to me. But if you do, I'll answer. If you'll take time to do what? Listen. If you'll take time to learn to develop a listening ear of your spirit, man, you can receive from God the guidance and help he wants to provide. It's not hard to figure out, folks. It's just something that a lot of people don't seem to want to take the time to do. But this is another way we draw near to God. If I draw near to God, what am I doing? I'm aware of his presence. We'll keep saying it through this whole time. If I'm drawing near to God, what am I doing? I'm aware of his presence. Can I get a better amen? Hebrews chapter 10. These are all ways that we can draw near to God, biblically. If we draw near to God biblically, what's going to be the result? We will be aware of God's presence. We'll be aware of God's presence. Hebrews chapter 10. Let's go to another one. So one, I need to learn to do what? I need to learn to praise and worship God. But I got to make sure I'm doing what? Singing to him. Helpful in your own personal life, find worship songs that really help you get caught up with the presence of God. That help you get focused on him when you, when you sing them. Because that'll help you to become somebody who draws close to God. And then number two, in your times of prayer, you got to learn to develop a prayer life. Because all prayer really is is communication with God. But it's really not working properly if it's not two-way. Right? Prayer's not a one-way deal. Prayer's two-way. We pray, but we also listen. Hebrews chapter 10, you still with me? 19, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Wouldn't this be drawn near to God? With the ability to have boldness to draw near, near, entering near to God by the holy, into the holiest, his presence by the blood of Jesus. What made it possible? The blood of Jesus. 20, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, by him giving of himself physically, he opened the door for us to have fellowship with God. And having a high priest over the house of God. Over what? Notice he didn't say over the children of God. Here he's talking about the house of God. What's the house of God? That's where you are right now. The house of God here is not referring to the church. It's referring to the place we come together as God's children, as you're about to see. What's the high priest over the house of God? He's there wanting to manifest. He's there wanting to make himself known to people. You listening? Or two of them are gathered. He's there. He's in the midst of you, but are you aware of it? If you do church right, guess what, you're, what, guess what you are? You're aware of his presence. If you're, aware of, if you're aware of his presence, what are you doing? Drawing near to God. Therefore, I'm doing what? I'm humbling myself, and I'm going to receive help from heaven. If you're, just not, if you're not drawing near to God in the time of the preaching of the word and the worship and all that, really guess what you're doing? You're just hearing another sermon. You're not really getting help. There's nothing being revealed to you, but God wants to reveal stuff to you. 22, let us therefore do what? Draw near. Let us do what? Draw near. Draw near. Where? In the house of God. We have a high priest over the house of God. So let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Once you're born again, you have the ability to come into the house of God and do what? Draw near to him and therefore be aware of his presence. Because the high priest, Jesus, as he said, where two or more gathered, is there in the midst. 
Notice this. He goes on to tell you this. Verse 23. Let us therefore do what? Hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is what? Faithful. And let us consider one another in order to do what? Stir up love and good works. What are we supposed to do? Consider one another. I'm going to explain that. 25. Not what? Tell me out loud, please. Now, see, this is the verse. I know Brother Hagin said, you know, he said, I think everybody that hears me preach Mark 11, 22, 23, 24 thinks I wrote that verse, but I didn't. Jesus did. Well, this is the one I think most people think I wrote because I refer to it a lot for good reason. Notice this. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the banner of some. You don't want to be that some. But exhorting one another... Exhorting one another, and so much more as you see what? Who are we exhorting here? Believers. Who are we supposed to be exhorting? One another. Who are what? Not assembling. Not assembling. We're supposed to be exhorting one another to not forsake assembling. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. How? Not forsaking. Assembling. Not forsaking assembling. Not forsaking assembling. What should we be? We're a family. Yes. We're a body. Amen. Well, when one part of the body is consistently not here, what should that do? Concern you. Yes. I mean, seriously, if your arm stopped working all of a sudden, that would be a if your physical arm, part of your body, stopped working all of a sudden, wouldn't you be aware of it? Yes. If you woke up tomorrow and one of your arms just quit working, wouldn't you be aware of it? Yes. Yeah, wouldn't you want to do something about getting that arm working again? Yes. Why don't we do that with the body? We're the body of Christ. What are we supposed to do, Pastor? You're supposed to do what? You're supposed to exhort. Exhort means to spur each other on. Man, sure, don't, don't call somebody up and say, well, you weren't at church today, you little church skipper. No. Well, that's really going to exhort them to come to church. You listening? No, what should you do? You should tell them what the Bible says. Man, I love you. We miss you. We need you there. God needs you there. You need to be there. You don't need to be somebody who's drifting away from the gift that God gave as a pastor. You don't need to be drifting away from the body of Christ. You need to be in the body of Christ and a part of that body more and more as we see the day approaching. You listening? Well, you must have been listening to pastor. No, I've been listening to Jesus, the word. All our pastor does is talk about what Jesus tells us. Notice he said, not forsaking the something of ourselves together. So when he talks about verse 21, Jesus is the high priest over the house of God, meaning what? He's here and he wants to bring things to pass in our life. A high priest is one who ministers to the, to the congregation, ministers to the people on behalf of God. Jesus wants to do that for us. You know what that would be? Heaven's help. Heaven's help. But you can't get it if you're not what? You can't get it, excuse me, you can't get it if you are forsaking assembling. You're missing out on heaven's help. So what's the third thing, pastor, we can do to draw near to God, to humble ourselves in relationship to God? Get to God's house, but get to God's house, not because I have to, not because I'm told to, not because I'm doing my religious duty, but because what? Jesus said he would be the high priest over that house. Doesn't mean I can't receive from Jesus outside of God's church. But I'll tell you what, you're going to miss out on a whole lot of what God has for you as a believer without coming to God's house consistently and hearing the word preached. Let me give you a Barclay analogy. You ready? Do an online church, although thankful we have it available when somebody can't make a service, but do an online church is like listening to somebody take a shower. 
How many enjoyed the presence of God in this place all night, Wednesday night? How powerful was that? Didn't want to leave. Guess what people online couldn't experience? They were just listening to the shower. You listening? There was a gal came to pastor one time at church. He said, man, she said, she said, man, she said, every time I miss service, God does something supernatural and moves all the time. Every time I miss service, he always shows up. He said, listen, if that was true, we'd kick you out of this church. We wouldn't let you come. If, if, it's, if, if every time you showed up, God didn't do anything, we wouldn't let you come. We'd kick you out. He said, that ain't true. He, I'm just going to quote him. He said, your church attendance stinks. And the reality is, we don't determine when God moves. I don't determine when God moves. Truth, truth is, the people do more than I do. I, the, Wednesday night, man, when this worship took off, man, this church took off. We went to a whole nother level. And that rarely happens, sadly, in this church. I say, that, I say that lovingly and carefully, but I'm serious. It doesn't happen all that often that we get caught up into that kind of worship. This whole, this whole room was filled with the sound of God's praises. Not just a handful. You listening? You can tell the difference. Why? Because you can notice God's presence. Far more, more noticeable, God's presence is there. Can I get a better amen? amen? So it's not just about showing up to church. It's about why you're there. Why do you come? Why do you come? I should say, you should clearly understand, not forsaking means, yeah, I, gotta be, I should be there, but I'm not just supposed to be there. What am I supposed to be? You're not just supposed to be here physically. You ready? You're supposed to be here spiritually. Supposed to be connected. Supposed to be reaching out to God. Amen. From the moment you show up, you need to be reaching out to God. And what happens when you see people missing church? You should be talking to them. You should be exhorting them. Man, I'll tell you what. I woke up the other day. My arm wasn't working. I'm going to go talk to my arm. I wished I had time. I could go through all kinds of verses. But this is a fact. Ephesians chapter 4 says that every single part coming together in the body, doing its share causes growth individually and building up of that body. What's one of the things that hinders a body from being built up? You not being here doing what God called you to do. Thus saith Ephesians chapter 4. Right? I'm not telling you due to work or situations at times. You know, I had somebody recently tell me with, with a new job, I can't be there anymore. I would be believing God right away to find another job. Because if you think this isn't serious stuff of why he emphasizes, how I many you know it's not going to get brighter in the last days? It's going to get darker. Why the emphasis, verse 25, not forsaking assembling so much more as you see the day approach, not less. Anything that's causing you to actually come together less with the body, I will promise you, that ain't God blessing you. Because if he was, if God was doing it, he'd be violating his word. He'd be causing you to violate his word by doing something that clearly is going to cause you to not get more of what God has for you. Can I get a better amen? Now you can come to church and still not get help because again, you're not really zeroed in on him. Right? I don't like Pastor's tie today. I don't like the way he said that. He was thinking about me. I happen to know he was probably dealing with me. And all you're doing is simply getting caught up in the natural and not waiting, taking time to wait on God and listen to God and hear what God has to say. I had I, Kathy one time. She said, she said, this happened multiple times. 34 years. We're coming up on 34 years as a church. Multiple times. She's had people. I've had people even come to me and say, Pastor, Pastor, man, I'm telling you, that message was dealing with me. Just me alone. I guarantee you God was dealing with me during the whole service. He says, let me help you. I love you. I'm glad you're hearing from God. That's wonderful. That's what you're here to do. But he wasn't just dealing with you. No. 
He didn't design that whole message just for you. If you thought I spent all week preparing a message just to deal with you and just let everybody else just be a spectator, you're wrong. Well, I mean, oh, God knows how to help you. And that even means when you truly are zeroed in and focused on God, you don't even mind the correction. Your flesh don't like it, but your spirit loves it. You say, man, I'm so glad God gave me some correction on that. Can I get a better amen? So again, really clear here. What's the next thing we can do to draw near to God? Get in God's house and do it in a way that you're pursuing him. That you're pursuing him. Go to Revelation 3. And if you're pursuing God, folks, listen. If you are pursuing God in relationship to coming to the church, let me help you. You're enjoying church. You're enjoying it. It's not a bore to you. Now, I understand, you know, if you went to church that none of the word of God ever got taught, you wouldn't get much out of that for sure. But I like what even Brother Hagin said. You know what? He, he said, I, in my day when I traveled a lot of times, on a, when I had a Sunday morning free and I'm still on the road trying to get back home or whatever, he said, I didn't always have a chance to pick and choose what church I went to. I just wanted to be in God's house. And I stopped, I'm not talking about a traveling minister here. And I just stopped whatever church I could find on a Sunday morning on my way home to have fellowship with some believers and get in a church. He said, sometimes that would even be a Catholic church or a Methodist church or a Lutheran church. But as long as that minister opened the Bible and said something from the Bible, I could get something out of that, out of that service. Because God's word was being declared. Therefore, God was speaking. Can I get a better amen? You get a lot of word in this church, man. Revelation chapter 3, you still with me? Verse 20, Revelation chapter 3, the Lord here is talking about the lukewarm Laodicean church. The lukewarm Laodicean church. 17 of Revelation 3 says, because you say, so this is what they said of themselves. I'm rich, become wealthy, have need of nothing, do not, and yet do not know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, and naked. Well, that's not me. I'm not rich. I'm not wealthy. The context of rich and wealthy here doesn't just mean you have lots of money. It means you're no longer relying or drawing upon God. Notice the last statement. And they said, I have need of nothing. Now that doesn't mean they don't need anything in the natural. This means they don't need anything from God. They don't need anything from God. They're not drawn on God. Lukewarm Christians don't draw on God. They don't get God's help. Why? They're not humble. If I'm lukewarm, what am I living by? What I want to do. Where I want to go, where I want to be, what I want to say. What I want to believe of me, not what God says. That's lukewarm. But notice this, verse 20. So you see this is written to a church. Jesus then said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come into him and dine with him and he with me. This isn't salvation. This is fellowship. This is fellowship. So here is a quote-unquote another aspect of what we can learn about how to draw near to God. I stand at the door and knock. What's the door? What is the door? The entrance of God's word gives light and it gives understanding. Jesus here is saying, I'm standing at this door and I'm knocking. I want a fellowship with you. I want to come in. Notice this. If anyone hears my what? If anyone hears my what? So what do we actually have in a way to hear God's voice every single day? You're holding it in your hand. This is Jesus. He's the word. You listening? And he's knocking at this door every day for you to hear his voice. And he said, if you'll open the door, I'll come fellowship with you. So what's the next way we can draw near to God? Word of God. But the purpose has to be again... I'm here to hear God. 
I'm here to receive what God has to say to me. I tell people this all the time. You can read the Bible right or you can read the Bible wrong. If you read it right, it's like you sit down having a cup of coffee with Jesus. Right. And while he talks, you listen. Right. While you read it, he's talking. What are you doing? You're listening. You're not just reading it to read a chapter to get through. Well, I read my chapter today. That did you no good. No, you're reading it to fellowship. You're reading it to hear from God. This is his voice. God's word is God speaking to us. Dr. Hilton Sutton, who was a spiritual dad to Kathy and me, one of our spiritual dads, said to this church many times, God's word is God speaking to me. Say it. God's word is God speaking to me. You want to get help from heaven? Open the door. Open the door. But how many Christians just leave their Bible sitting, you know, closed all week long? Many only open it when they're in church. Some don't even do that anymore. That's why I don't put the verses up on the screen. I'm not telling a church not to do that. That's up to them. I'm telling you, I want you to open your Bible or on your app something because guess what? If all of a sudden you need to remember that verse, guess what we can't do? Pastor, I need to remember that verse. I'm headed to church. Can you get it up on the screen so I can check out that verse again? No, but if you had, it, you had your Bible, guess what? You'd be able to turn right to it. I don't, I'm just telling you what God's dealt with me on. I don't believe in putting the verses up on the screen in this setting because you need to learn to go to them. You need to get them before your eyes. You listening? Now, if you're just going like a place where I teach at Good Guys or something, I'm not their pastor. I try to make it more simplified. Most of them don't even bring a Bible. So I'm going to do everything I can to try to get the Word in their eyes. But that's not us as a congregation. We need to come and open the Word and look at it. But you need to do that on a daily basis. Can I get a better amen? So open the Bible, and you're opening what? The door to fellowship with God. But take the time to listen. You're better off to read three verses and get something out of it than read three chapters and hear nothing from God. Amen. How do you read the Bible in a way you hear from God? You take time to listen. You back up. If a verse stands out, you take time to meditate on it. What are you saying to me there, Lord? What are you saying to me? God does this with me all the time because I've learned to do it. On Sunday mornings, I say, okay, Lord, what do you want me to share for an offering verse? I don't have some pre-planned thing. I ask him, what do you want me to share? I began to meditate my, in my spirit about giving, and all of a sudden, a verse comes to me. And I open that Bible, and as I did this morning, open the Bible, I've never had God speak to me in that way like he did out of verse 12 today. I said, what are you saying there, Lord, as I'm reading those verses? And verse 12 stood out. And the more I looked at it, it was clear what he was saying. You realize that when you give, you're, you're giving. That moment goes into so many different areas of helping people's lives. God spoke that to me. I didn't think that up. Well, our pastor's really smart, man. He figured that one out himself. No, I didn't. You kidding me? Ain't no way you could figure that stuff out on your own. If you did, you, if you could, you didn't need God. Thank God he wants to speak to us. Thank God he will. If we'll just listen. Any good amens on that? Go to Psalm 46. Come on, I'll close here. I know it's a lot today, but I wanted to get through this in one setting. Psalm 46. These are all keys to drawing near to God. If we draw near to God, how do we know it? We're aware of his presence. If we truly biblically, biblically draw near to God, we'll do so knowing what? That we're aware of his presence. If we're not aware of his presence, we're not doing it right. We need to do it right because it's in his presence there's fullness of joy. Come on. It's in his presence there's times of refreshing. Even though he's here, he doesn't obviously become known to all who don't do this in a way that they're aware that he's here to help me. For those that are, guess what? He's already been speaking to you. How many of you already spoken something to you out of the word you needed to hear? Because you're listening. You're listening with your spirit. God, I want to hear. What are you saying? 
It's not just getting a bunch of head knowledge so you can quote a verse. So let me give you the final key here that kind of relates to all of these things. All right? This is kind of a, key, a, a culmination of something you got to do in the midst of all these things. And this is the challenge for us as believers to get near to God and know He's present. Psalm 46.10, you there? Yes, Be still. Underline that. Be still. Be still and know that I am God. Notice the, the word am is italicized. I am, am, the am, it's italicized. Do you know why? It's not in the original. It's not in the original Hebrew. It was added by English translators. Now, it doesn't really take away from the meaning, but I think it loses a little bit of its power and punch if you don't understand what it actually says. Be still and know, really, in essence, in essence, excuse me, in essence what it's saying here is be still and know God. Not that I am God. Know God. Be still. Can I, say, can I simplify it? Be still. Know God. Be still and know God. Not know about him. If I know him here, what's that mean? I'm aware he's there. I'm aware of his presence. Could they do that in the Old Testament? Yes, they could. Remember when he showed up in the temple after the temple was, was built? The first temple? His presence was so strong in that sanctuary, not even the priest could stand. How many of though they were aware of his presence? What were they doing? Truly worshiping God. They were singing praises to him, not about him. Notice this, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Now, when he refers to him as the God of Jacob, the significance there is relating to what he tried to get the generation of, of Israel, Jacob, who is known as Israel in the 12 tribe, of Israel, what he wanted to do all along. I don't want you to seek my hands. When he refers to the generation of Jacob or the God of Jacob, he's referring to those who know God. They don't know about him, they know him. So when he references the God of Jacob, he's talking about those who truly know him, not about him. Now, in context to that, it means they're not seeking his hands. They're seeking his face. Amen. They just want fellowship with God. Amen. It ain't about trying to part a Red Sea. It ain't about trying to, quote, unquote, you know, get through some kind of challenge of life. It's about knowing God who will obviously be there to do that for me. Amen. If I know God, he'll be there to do that for me. I don't have to worry about trying to figure out how to part the Red Sea. If I know God, guess what? He already knows how to do it. Amen. I just need to know him. Yes. Thank God Moses did. What if Moses hadn't? They wouldn't even got past the Red Sea. You listening? Because God showed up and helped out. Why? Because one man knew the presence of God and knew how to get God's presence on the scene. Notice again, be still. The word, the word still there means withdraw. If you look this up, be still, it means to withdraw. That helps us get a whole lot better understanding of this word. Withdraw and know God. The phrase God, the word for God here is know the Almighty. Why does it say that? Why does it say know the Almighty? Because if you get to know God, really get to know Him, guess what you're going to know? His mightiness. What mean? You're going to get His help. You're going to get His help. So how do I do that? You got to be what? Still. The phrase withdraw. Let's use Jesus as an example. So go to talking about praises. In the midst of a church family where everything's focused on praising God, could I still be in the midst of that context of that church family and not really be drawn near to God, not be really praising God? Yes. Why? Because you're not being still. You're not withdrawing from all that your mind tries to distract you with. 
You're not withdrawing for all your hearing that's going on in the natural. You're not, you got to withdraw from all that's in the natural and focus on God in the spirit. That's what it means to be still. I'm withdrawing. I'm withdrawing from all that's around me to distract in relationship to my natural man. And I'm therefore becoming more and more aware of who? God. Jesus did this. Right? Even the Son of God had to do this. What did the Son of God do consistently? He withdrew. He withdrew from all his disciples. Yappity, 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 yap. Come on. Always asking questions, wanting to know this, wanting to know that, what about this, what about that. He, that, why do you think, I mean, think about feeding supernaturally, you know, over 5,000 people and walking through all that with your disciples to get all that done, clean up everything afterwards, get the, get the leftover 12 baskets back to the little boy that has far more now than what he gave originally, right? And, and guess what? That was even taxing on him because he was in a physical body. And so what does he do in that moment? Does anybody remember what he did in that moment? He sent his disciples away in the boat. He said, you boys get in the boat, go to the other side. I'm going to be over there in a little bit. But guess what I'm going to do? He withdrew up onto the hillside. I've been there. I got to preach there where the Beatitudes were taught. He, he withdrew up on that hillside and did what? He got up there quiet with God. He sent the multitudes away. He sent the multitudes away. He sent the disciples away. And he withdrew to have some quiet time with the Father. Now, if Jesus did that, folks, you can do it in a worship service, withdrawing from all distractions, just focusing on God. But I guarantee you one of the easiest ways to do it, you close everything else out. How many times do we see the disciples looking for Jesus in the morning and they can't find him? They wake up and they're looking, you seen him? No, do you know where he went? No, no. After a while, they finally figured it out. Well, he's probably gone to the, if they were close to the Garden of Gethsemane, he's probably in the garden. If not, they knew to start looking around the hillsides. And guess what they would do? Find him. Where? By himself. What did he do? Withdrew from society. Withdrew from all the distractions to do what? Get close to God. Hear from the Father. How much more do we need to do that? So apply this last, last truth about withdrawing to get aware of God's presence to drawing. Apply that to all of what we just talked about. One, praise and worship. If you don't withdraw in relationship to all the other things of life, you're not going to be singing to God. You're just going to be singing about Him. You're just going to be going through the motions because you're still thinking about everything else you think you got to think about instead of withdrawing from all that and say, you know what, come on. This is my time to praise my God. This is my time to draw near to my God. I am shutting down every other distraction in my mind, everything else, and I am withdrawing from all of that, and I am just drawing into his presence. What about prayer? See, to take time to really truly pray to God and take time to pray to God in a way that you can hear from God, guess what that takes? Withdrawing. This isn't like a quick little prayer and run about your life and do what you need to do. If that's all you're doing, you're missing out on a lot of heaven's help. You know how many answers you'd get in life if you took time to hear from God? Think about every decision you made that was stupid, dumb, and wrong that hurt your life or cost you in some way because they all will. Well, what if you would have taken the time to hear from God on that? You wouldn't have done that. You would have made a mistake. You know why? God's not going to lead you down a path of death. He's going to lead you down a path of life. Amen. It takes us taking the diligence to do what? Take time in prayer to truly draw back away from everything that's distracting. And it's not just, you, you know, I know a lot of people that say they're serious about prayer, but you know what they do? They talk the whole time. 
And the truth is, you're not accomplishing near as much as you think you really are in relationship to prayer. Now, praying in the Spirit, you're talking directly to God, and your Spirit can communicate with God the whole time. But there are times you got to be quiet. Like Brother Hagin used to teach, our pastor teaches, learn to draw near to God in prayer, talking to Him, and then learn to shut up and listen and take something to write down something with you in case God speaks to you. You'll have something for Him to talk to you about. Don't just go talk to God about all your problems. Say, Father, what do you want me to know today? Is there something you want me to know about? Because again, if your whole focus is all your problems in prayer, are you really drawing near to God in the sense you're taking time to withdraw from all your problems? No, you're still thinking about all your problems. And there might be other things God wants to talk to you about. And most Christians don't realize this. A lot of times God's trying to talk to you about other things, but you're so caught up with what you're focused on, trying to get God to fix or deal with. Guess what? You can't hear him. And little do you know that what God's trying to talk to you about that something separate would fix that problem. You wouldn't even realize it. But you're so focused on that one thing, you're not doing what? You're not withdrawing from the problems of the life and truly getting quiet before God. Any good amens on that? So in prayer, you got to learn to do what? You got to learn to withdraw. You got to learn to get quiet. What about going to the Word? Same thing. When you go to the Word, you got to do what? You can't sit there and really fellowship with God out of the Word with 1,900 distractions around you. I mean, some can get disciplined enough to learn it. Brother Hagin did. Brother Hagin said every church I pastored had a, had a parsonage, and in the parsonage, there was no separate little room for me to go to. I'm in the living room. A lot of times in the evenings, while my family's doing stuff in the living room, I'm over in the corner on a desk, and I mean, literally, uh, my wife would have to come over and shake me and say, Kenneth, did you not hear me? No. You know why? He was so withdrawn from everything in the room. He was just there listening to God, talk to God as, talking to God as God was speaking to him as he was studying the Word. Most people can't do do that you listening he learned to but you got to take time in the word to do what withdraw it withdrawing what are you withdrawing from the world everything in the world you're drawn near to God you're drawn near to God and you'll know it when obviously you're aware of what his presence awful quiet in this church you still with me and the last one, what also can we do to get near to God? Not only actually honoring God through our fellowshipping together, coming together, not forsaking assembly, coming to God's house. But when you come, you're not here. Don't be pitchforking. That don't help you. You listening? Oh, man, talk about marriage. And you know what you see when you talk about marriage? You see this going on all the time. Well, you are listening, right, honey? You are paying attention, aren't you, honey? Yeah, see, you're not withdrawing. No, you're pitchforking. You're thinking about everybody else. Yeah, you need to hear that. Here. Say that again, Pastor. I need another load of that right there. There we go. There you go. You are, you are getting there. You're not here to hear for them. You're here to hear for you. Any good amens on that? So, folks, this is a real basic teaching here on drawing near to God. But simplified for the purpose, I want to get it all in one meeting, all in one message, so that you can go back and re-listen to it and develop understanding of it even further. But these are the things that you do to draw near to God, meaning what? I'm aware of His presence. This is part of humility. See, a lot of people don't think of it when relating to drawing near to God. They don't think of being aware of His presence. But the truth is, if you're not, you're not getting any help from God. You're not really drawn near. You might think you are, but you're not because you're, you're not even aware that he's there. Right. I got to get aware of him. Come on. But if I do, I'm drawn near. Guess what, guess what the result will be? Heaven's help. More of God's grace. Aren't you glad about that? Stand your feet.
We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours. Thank you.